This is Bill and Dave's Excellent Podcast, episode number 47. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bill and Dave Show. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Bill and Dave Show. The song we opened with today is called Parachute. It's by the band The Bigger Empty. It's off their new EP called Lakes and Oceans, Volume 1, Michigan. Uh, we actually have the lead singer of that band on the phone right now, Mike Fellamley. You probably know him, even if you don't know him by name. I'm sure you've seen him before. If you've been anywhere around the Chicago music scene and seen a live band within the last 20 years, uh, Mike Fellamley, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, no problem, man. No problem. This is huge. Uh, so Mike's here. He's uh, promoting the new EP uh, by the band, his band, The Bigger Empty. Uh, it's called Lakes and Oceans, Volume One, Michigan. Um, but and I want to get to that. So congratulations, first of all, on this on this new EP. Uh, how does it feel to have something new out there? And and I know you guys have been playing around recently. Um, how does it feel to have something new out there? I think it's awesome to have something new. We haven't, I think our last EP came out early in 2015 and middle of 2015. And we've really changed. The whole band is pretty different from then. Um, most notably, we added uh, Amanda Modry on keyboard and, and vocals. And like that's had a pretty dramatic impact on how we sound. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, absolutely. From the last EP, um, what versus the cloud? I think it was called. Um, to this one, I mean the keys, totally, man. That's a huge difference. Yeah, and I love having Amanda's voice on there. She's a great singer, and um, I think it's, she just adds makes it a lot more interesting. I think than we were uh, in the previous incarnation of the band. Sure, sure. Um, and and the way you guys got together is really interesting. And I and I want to get get to get to that stuff, but. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about your, I mean, you've got a career that goes back, gosh, to what, the mid, early 90s? And, um, yeah, like 91, I think, is when it all started, really. Yeah, yeah. And so when I say, when I say there's a good chance you, you'd know Mike, even if you didn't know him by name, uh, obviously, uh, probably most known for being the drummer of the Smoking Popes, right? Yeah, that's, I would say, depending on what generation your listeners are uh, if they're slightly older that would be the the most known for sure yeah yeah and and this is this is you know just doing some research on you mike and i and i and i hope that's not weird but that's kind of my job right <laughs> um mm -hmm. so i mean your career has been really one that's kind of i i found very interesting because you joined the smoking popes and uh, was it 91 when you joined them i couldn't really find yeah it was it might have been 1990 i know like the first release that we did was 1991, but we might have started jamming in '90. Right, right. So, so, so you you join you you join the Popes, and obviously the Popes are it's that that band in itself is a very inspirational band band for a new generation of bands coming out. Which I, I don't know if that makes you feel old or not. You definitely don't look old, but you know when you have <laughs> bands like Bayside covering out uh, covering songs uh, uh, covering songs of yours. I mean that's that's saying a lot about what you guys accomplished. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Like I do a thing. I don't know if you've seen the the video channel that I do called Live from the Rock Room. Yes. At all. Yes. So when I started doing that, I discovered I didn't really know how kind of influential the Smoking Popes were until I started doing this video show. And like almost every like punk band that consists of guys in their like mid to late twenties 
90 percent of them when i reach out they're like oh we love the smoking popes like and i didn't really know that we were that like prevalently liked among you know other bands of our genre so it's been pretty awesome to yeah i think i think that, that i gotta think that as a musician that that's got to make you feel but i mean obviously you make some music you get some fans but when other bands and other and other musicians uh are inspired by your music that's got to just kind of take it up a notch for you i would think yeah it's really cool because these are bands like all the bands i'm emailing and trying to get to come in are bands that like i'm personally a big fan of so it's kind of neat when they come in and they tell me when they were 12 years old like you know we were the first punk band they listened to or like you know just some of the records we made in the 90s were important to them as like teenagers and that was pretty cool that's that's awesome i mean even you got a, a, a i think even uh, i read even morrissey uh had mentioned something about this i and i'm sure you you heard about it but uh born to quit um he he thought that album was awesome and uh and and was quoted as saying so so i mean kind of all over the board the smoking popes are probably more well known than even you would have imagined i would think yeah, I think, I mean, it's, we never really had a ton of like commercial success in terms of like ma- the masses of people getting into the band, but it seems like we we're hugely successful with other musicians liking our music. And that's almost cooler in a way, aside from the obvious financial benefits of <laughs> right. becoming a commercial success. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and what I found was interesting is, you know, when you were with the Popes, you guys signed with Capital, and you're opening for Green Day. A, a, as a young guy, I mean, you got to think that this is it, man. We made it, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, those few years, like 94 up to about mid-97, maybe early 98, I felt like, yeah, we're doing it. Like, we're living the dream. Is is it like um, you know, and and this has got to go back a little bit. I'm trying to paint the picture of the Chicago music scene back then because it's obviously, I mean, it's you know, twenty some years ago. That's obviously it's gone through different cycles and changes. But at the time there, so it's it's like ninety three, ninety four. Now you're 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 with Capital. You're 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 opening for Green Day. Uh, I think the Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, was a huge hit at that point. So there was probably mm-hmm. a big spotlight on Chicago. Um, was, did did you feel that as a band, or was that kind of just you know looking back? Am I reading too much into that? No, it was definitely a thing in the middle '90s. Like pretty much everybody that I knew that was in a band that was like punk or alternative that was like any good in Chicago was they all got signed to to major labels. Like that was like the hotbed. Where that's where all the big majors thought like the next big bands were going to come from Chicago. So like I knew probably ten or fifteen other bands that all signed to the majors around the same time that that we did. Right, so kind of cool. That is cool. That is cool. How does it how does it happen when? Because I think uh, I I think there's a misconception on that. Like right when you get signed to a a deal, you know, as a band, if they sign you, let's say to a you know, I'm just throwing this out there, like a $100,000 uh, recording contract, you guys don't get to actually see that money, right? That all, that, that a lot of that money goes towards the cost of recording and promoting and, and, and tour costs, right? Yeah, it's all, and I have no idea how it is now. Uh, like, I think it's, the deals now, I think are not nearly as good as what we got back in the day. Because the majors now sign bands to those 360 deals where the label gets a cut of, 
your live shows and your merch and your publishing and everything. Oh, geez. But back then you would get, you would get like an advance, like we got an advance, um, just, it was just cash that we got to have that of course it's recoupable against your record sales. Right. Right. <laughs> but the, the tr- thing it was with us, like they signed us like born to quit had already come out on Johan space records, like an indie in Chicago. And so the record already existed, the first one that they wanted to do. So, like, we didn't have to spend any money on recording because that one was done. Oh, awesome. So that was kind of beneficial. But then the next record, the Destination Failure, we didn't, like, when we made that record, we didn't get any kind of cash advance for that. It was all just spent on recording the record. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, you guys, you guys are the ones with the talent and writing the music, and then everybody's kind of got their hands in your pockets. I mean, obviously, they're the goal would be that they promote you and, and, and do do right by you. But I know a lot of times you kind of get forgotten about, too, in a sense. Um, yeah, I mean, by the time, like, Born to Quit was supposed to be, like, a smash hit record, which, of course, it wasn't. Like, it did okay, but, like, if it were an indie record, it would have been considered a huge success. But since it was on Capitol and they had radio play, it was supposed to be, like, a platinum record, and it was not. And by the time we finished Destination Failure, the label was kind of, I guess, soured on us more or less, and we kind of had to beg them to even put it out. And it pretty much came out with no promotion or anything behind it. We just toured on it, and that was like that was the promotion for the record was us being on the road. Right, right, and I and I don't mean to 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 bore you with those questions, but I just I thought it was interesting because I know you you kind of had your own. Uh, your your own independent label for a while, so I know you you probably have some insight as to how all that works. And I always find that interesting. It's like, you know, you're you know you're the biggest thing in the world to them, or they make you feel like, it, and the next thing you know, no, they're moving on. It's like such a here today, yeah. gone today type of thing. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, of course they gave us the spiel like before we signed that they wanted to develop us and have us grow slowly, but then you know. Born to Quit didn't sell a million copies, and then we weren't so special anymore after that. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then uh, you know, unfortunately, things happen, and and you guys uh, you guys broke up, and 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 I don't want to get too much into that. I'm sure that you know, obviously, times have changed. You're back, you're 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 working with them again. So, um, but but uh, you guys decide to go your separate ways, and then all of a sudden you're uh, um, you're recruited by a band that a lot of people know, Alkaline Trio is another one and uh i'm not saying it's because of you but i am i did notice that from here to infirmary was the first uh album of theirs that charted so i'm gonna go ahead and say that's because of you yeah it's all because of me (laughs) (laughs) so so uh you know alkaline trio maybe back then obviously isn't you know alkaline trio you know 10 years later but you know at, at the time i mean they were still pretty well known i would think this is like probably what late 90s 99 2000 around there yeah i joined in uh 1999 it was just after their second record uh maybe i'll catch fire had just come out when i joined so i did the whole tour for that and then um we signed to vagrant over that period of time and and recorded uh from here to infirmary and then that came out and i did most of the touring for that before i I uh, left that band, but it was growing like with or without me. I'm pretty sure from here to infirmary would have charted like 
the band from the time I joined until, you know, the time I left. So like the shows would go from, you know, 200 people a night to 400 people a night. And then we were end up in a lot of cities playing to, you know, a thousand or 1500 people wow. at every show. And it just kept growing. That's, that's awesome. You know, that's kind of uh, one of the inside things here that we always say is, uh, you can tell whether or not somebody's into music when you ask them who their favorite uh, Alkaline Trio member is, and they don't say Dan Andriano, then uh, <laughs> we know we know something's wrong there. Um, but uh, you know, obviously things didn't work out. Are you starting to feel you know when you know you leave Alkaline Trio? Are you what? Where's your head at? So now you were with the Popes, that didn't work out. You're with Trio, that doesn't quite go as planned. I mean, I know it's hard to get a group of guys to get along and to be able to make music even on top of that is even more difficult. But so, you know, that, that, that part of your, your, uh, your career ends and what, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, you know, I'm going to keep going or are you like, oh man, I just can't <laughs> catch a break here. Well, like shortly after the trio part ended, like the Pope's initial breakup was, we were all still on pretty good terms. It's just, you know, Josh had found religion and, and needed some time to figure himself out. Sure. Um, so he was going through kind of a personal change. So it wasn't, that didn't really end. The Smoking Pope's initial breakup didn't really end on any kind of bad terms with anybody. It was just that Josh was just, he was done for a while. Just needed some time, sure. Yeah. Um, so, but like shortly after the... Um, the Alkaline Trio part came to close. Like I still had my record label that I was doing and I did a couple solo projects. Like I did a split solo EP with Dan Andriano and I did a full length. And then I started jamming with Josh again pretty shortly after that. I think it was like 2002, maybe in the band Duval. Right, right, yeah. And we did, uh, I did, I think two EPs with them, toured around a bunch. Uh, and then as that went on, like we were, we were playing out quite a, quite a bit and touring and it just got to be like, that band wasn't really taking off. I think we were put out some really good music, but it wasn't taking off. So sure. I had to kind of, you know, I, I have a kid and had a mortgage and a wife to that. So we needed money. So I had to kind of quit and just work. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's. For a little while. <laughs> I feel you there, man. I'll tell you what, podcasts don't really pay that much, so I, I feel you. I feel you there. Yeah, yeah. You got to kind of get your priorities straight. So I get that. Um, just on a side note, and this is this is one that I felt kind of interested in is now now you got, you know, obviously Alkaline Trio's kind of you know they've done their thing, but now now Skiba's you know took Tom DeLonge's place in Blink One Eighty Two. Um, were you surprised by that one? That one when you when you found out about that. <laughs> Yeah, I was surprised. I, th I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. We used to, uh, in my time in the trio, like we were all pretty big Blink-182 fans. Like when Enema of the State came out, um, you know, we would listen to that countless times in the van. So like we were big fans of that band and we even did some shows together with them. Oh, um, awesome. I was surprised when I read the news. I thought it was pretty cool for Matt to have that opportunity to be in one of the biggest punk bands of all time. I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that gave him shit, it's like, how do you turn that down? You know what I mean? How do you yeah, do I mean, thanks, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, if you're like a guitar player, singer that's been playing punk music for 
20 some odd years or whatever Matt has. And it's a band that like, we were fans of this band. Like he likes the band. Oh yeah. So they're going to ca- call you and ask you <laughs> to join that band. And you're going to say no, like, come on. Yeah, really? Like I think anybody realistically put themselves in that situation. Nine out of 10 people, at least I think are going to have to say yes to that. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much any, anyone, <laughs> probably even more than nine out of 10, I would think. Um, so, you know, enough about that stuff, right? I just wanted to kind of lay some groundwork here because I really thought all that, all that stuff really interests me because you've, you know, you're, you're a drummer now in these bands and now you do some solo stuff and I know you're playing guitar and vocals. Was that something you've always done even before you were into drums or did this kind of come on later? I started drumming first. Like I started drumming when I was probably 13, 12 or 13 years old. And then when I was in the Smoking Popes, like sometimes after practice, I would just pick up one of their guitars and uh, Eli would show me some chords. And that was, I don't know, I was maybe 16 or 17, maybe 18 around then. And once I learned some chords, I've always had like a passion for recording music. Sure. And so I really... I had a like a cassette four track, and I mostly learned how to play guitar just so I could record songs. Like I would cover uh, Jesus, Jesus and Mary Chain songs and Ramon songs and stuff into my four track. Right on. Because they're you know they're all three chord songs. So right. To figure out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I got tired of that, so I just started writing songs, and mostly just so I'd have something to record because I wanted to record shit. Sure. And as that went on, I started to write some songs that I actually liked and so getting a little bit better at guitar and a little better at singing so I just kind of went with it and kept doing it yeah that's a, a lot of drummers I know have no have no interest in being you know heard on a microphone singing so I always thought that that's kind of kind of cool because it's not easy <laughs> putting your voice out there and, and your lyrics and you know that's uh you really pour your pour your pour your heart out there it's one thing I mean drums it takes a lot to play drums don't get me wrong but um to be out there in front playing a guitar singing your your lyrics i mean you're really putting yourself out there so that's i I always respect that it's very unnerving like the first 20 or 30 shows i've played you know as like the front man or whatever were very unnerving like i'd be kind of like shaking like super nervous because for one you got to stand up like what am I supposed to do with my body? I'm usually just sitting down. <laughs> right, and right. Have these drums in front of me, like as my protectors. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was. Uh, I'm still getting accustomed to it. I'm, I'm really comfortable on stage now, like as a front man. But I, I still don't have like don't have any cool moves or anything. I wish I had cool moves. <laughs> I think but it's I, I, <laughs> a lot of times those cool moves aren't aren't all that cool. So I think you're fine the way you are. <laughs> I wish I had even some not cool moves. Like I just don't have any moves. I gotta get some. Whether they be nerdy or cool, I need a move or two. I'm working on that. And then, um, and then, so moving on. Now, this is kind of I, I found this to be probably the most interesting thing out of everything I, I read about uh, about just your 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 career and the people you've played with. I'm, I'm sure is countless, but the way the bigger empty came along, this wasn't even supposed to be a band at first, was it? No, not really. I mean, it was just, we started recording, um, like this full length that the songs on the, on the new EP were part of this full length that I was working on. 
and it was just going to be a solo, like another solo record. And I'd been jamming with like the same three guys for a handful of years. And like, we had another like actual band together that didn't really, we played like one show and it didn't really happen. We had a different singer. Sure. And the guys were all kind of bummed. Like they were way into it because it was a band. And then, so I figured like, well, you know, these guys add a lot. They're, they add a lot to the songs. Like, let's just call this a band. Let's not have it be a solo thing anymore. Sure. So that's when we just turned it into the bigger empty. So it was basically my solo project just turned into a band. And then now with Amanda on board, it's much more of a band, I think, because, you know, she does a lot of singing. So it's like not just me singing and, uh, having like the piano in and we have, uh, Tom Cunahan on guitar now and he adds a lot of creativity to his part. So it's like really become, it's, I mean, it's, I still write the song, so it shares some similarity to like my solo music, but it's definitely its own thing separate from that now. Right now, if I was to ask Kevin, your drum, the drummer, of the bigger empty, if I was to ask Kevin, what's it like to be the drummer for a project that, Mike Fellamley is the lead singer of. Is he going to say that's pretty pretty easy? Or I mean, I'm sure those are pretty big shoes to fill, and I would imagine you have probably some opinions on how the how the drums would go in a song. <laughs> I think he would say it's pretty easy. <laughs> like, he's a very good drummer, and like his style is very similar to to mine. Sure. So, and I think Kevin's everybody as good as me on drums, and he's he's younger than me and like his, his band, like him and Ruben who plays bass and Jim who played guitar for us originally, like those three like grew up as big smoking popes and like material issue fans. All right. So Kevin's like drumming style is kind of a split between like me and the guy from material issue and a couple other guys. So it's like, so that's a good the fit. stuff that I write comes like really naturally to him sure. and when I play him a song and he makes up the parts it's pretty much 95% of the time it's what I would do anyway <laughs> you you guys just played uh, played in Wisconsin recently uh, was it just this weekend I think right uh, with... yeah I just got home I got home today this afternoon with with the Pope so you must be exhausted yeah it was tiring like <laughs> we would do the Bigger Empty set like last night like the Bigger Empty played and the Pope's played right after so i just you know put my guitar away set the drums up and uh the bigger empty stuff doesn't tire me out that much but the pope sets these days when we headline are pretty taxing we play a lot of songs sure i think we played like maybe 25 songs last night oh geez <laughs> you're not kidding oh my god <laughs> how how was uh, like how, how was it received okay. how was the new music uh by bigger empty received by the crowd up there were they in they they seem to like it quite a bit. Yeah, it was. We've opened for the Pope's um, a few times recently, and it's always whether they're just being polite because I'm in the band that they came to see, or if they like it, I can't tell. But it's always really fun to open for Smoking Pope's because the, the crowds are always really great. Right um, on. At least at least they act like they like it, so I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a, it's it's a thought that counts. Um, but actually, this this new EP is really. Uh, it seems like it's it's starting to uh, gain a little momentum. Um, 
this song, uh, Take My Heart With You, I, I don't know if it's all right if I play a, uh, just a smidge of it. I don't want to give anything away for free, and I certainly don't want to get sued. Sure. But, um, oh, no, play it. But th- this song here, and I'll just, I'll just play a little bit of it. I don't even know if this will work with this technology I have. I don't know if you can hear that. So this song, Take My Heart With You, um, was just mentioned in uh, an AP magazine. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I just got to play that. I, I, I think your vocals, and I don't know if you've gotten this. I know that, that there's been some, you know, I know you guys are influenced by the replacements a little bit, I read. But when I heard your vocal, and this is the first song that I turned on, I was like, man, that's got, and, and I don't want to insult you, Mike. I don't want to insult you. But I, I thought, I was like, man, it's got a little bit of a, a, a Rivers Cuomo kind of vibe. And I don't know if you've ever gotten that before. Um, but I I'm, haven't, but I'll take it. I'm a huge Weezer fan, so yeah, yeah. I just, you know, and I, and I don't mean that in any other way other than just like it's it's a genuine vocal that you know it's not a put on, right? It's it's it feels real, mm-hmm. it's smooth, and it kind of had that vibe to it. So I really dug the CP, man. Um, so that one, so um, like I was saying, uh, AP kind of picked up on it, and uh, it was one of the one of the thirteen songs we bet you didn't catch this week. Uh, was take my heart with you. So, how do you catch wind of that? Does somebody just see that and and shoot you a tweet or something? Yeah, um, we have a guy uh, named Gary Strack who's doing PR for this this record, and uh, he let me know that AP was going to post something, so I was just kind of on the lookout for it. And it was cool. I don't think we've been covered in AP before, so that was nice little achievement for us like it's hard these days with a new band to get anybody to pay attention to what you're doing it's really challenging uh, like we're not in, in a position to play 180 shows a year because we're all adults and have jobs and families and all that good adult life stuff so it's it's really nice to get some kind of some good press coverage yeah and, and that's the thing so th- this is kind of interesting too because you've kind of You've seen a few different ways that the that the record industry works and get and how you get your music out there and how it's changed significantly, obviously from '91. Um, I gotta think so. It's probably easier to get your content out there for people to hear a little bit, but it's harder to monetize, right? Um, yeah, and I think it's even harder to get. It's definitely a hundred times easier to just get it out there, like. Anybody now that has like an iMac with GarageBand on it can record something and put it out on Bandcamp or you go through CD Baby and you can get yourself on Spotify and iTunes. And so with that, there are thousands and thousands of bands that have stuff out there that nobody would have heard before. But because there's so many more bands putting stuff out, it's harder to get anybody to pay attention to what you're doing, I think. So... On one hand, it's easier to get it out. On the other hand, I think it's much harder to get actually get any kind of traction going, or like any kind of people listening in, in numbers. Right. Unless, like, the one thing that hasn't changed from 1990 to today is the number one way to do it is to just tour like crazy. And, you know, in, in doing that, there's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make. But, you know, if there are younger bands that are trying to do it, like, that's how you do it. You play 150 to 200 shows a year. Right. You just keep on doing that. 
Yeah, yeah. And even that, I think I saw, I I actually hung out with this band um, a little, this is going back a year or so, that was opening for another band. I'm not going to throw names out there just because I don't know how true it is and if it's real or not. But the opening band for this for this band, and it, and it was a local band, you know, so, somewhere, you know, they've been around for a while. They're, they're relatively well known, but their opening band, you know, who, I never heard of them before. They were kind of good. Uh, and I talked to him afterwards, like, yeah, we made 50 bucks tonight. And they played at the Metro, and it was sold out. So that's kind mm-hmm. of like, that's kind of, you know, what 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 it's like to be in a band. You know, like, uh, it's hard to make gas money, I'm sure, to get from city to city at times. Um, yeah, which, definitely. Which, which kind of brings me to this to this idea of yours, and, and I don't know if it's only been about a year you've been doing it, but this Live from the Rock Room, and i got to make sure I get the website out there, livefromtherockroom.com, and you can also check it out on YouTube. I was watching some of the videos. You actually built a small studio in your basement and mm-hmm. are filming bands in there, uh, which I thought was, like, why hasn't anybody else done this? This is awesome. And uh, it's shot really well. It sounds great. Uh, where did this idea come from? <clears throat> I don't know. Like, I first built the room just to be able to record and, like, have band practices. And we we noticed, like, through jamming in there, like, wow, it sounds really good in here. I thought we could record something live and it would sound really good. So we tried that, and it did sound really good. And I have a buddy, um, his name is Ken Noka, who, like, used to shoot a bunch of um, like kind of skate video type stuff a long time ago. And I called Ken. I'm like, you want to try this video thing? I've got this idea. And Ken was on board. So we did like the smoking popes for the guinea pig band for the deal. Sure. Cause we didn't know what we were doing. And I figured, you know, if we screw it up really bad, we can just do it again. <laughs> right. Right. But I didn't want to have like a touring band through and like not know what the hell we were doing. So we did, we did a session with the Pokes and the videos came out really good. So then I just started inviting. We have some bigger like national touring bands come through We've, and we do, you know, little regional and like local bands too. Kind of a mix. Yeah. I mean, um, some of the ones I watched, I saw Sean Harris from the matches. That was a really cool one. Cause he did, uh, he, he did actually a new matches song on there or a newer one. And, uh, it was kind of like he, he did some layering on the guitar and re- recorded a couple bars and played over it on the acoustic. I thought that was that was pretty wild, man. Yeah, the Sean Harrison was cool. And that was he was one of the first people that I like at the time I reached out to Sean. We hadn't even released a video yet, and I just I wrote to the Matches Facebook page and I'm like, hey, I'm doing this thing in my basement. <laughs> we're we're gonna do like video sessions. You guys want to do it? And Sean's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, right on. So I couldn't. I kind of was surprised they even replied to me. But he was one of like maybe the second or third uh, artist that we had come through. And that was when I'm like, wow, if Sean Harris will do this. Like other people will probably probably come. Like so that was a big like confidence builder for us to have that session. Yeah, right on. My uh, my producer, aka my wife, was telling me uh, that that was like one of her favorite bands. You know, when she was younger, seeing them at like Fireside Bowl, the matches back then, man. And uh, they've got a new documentary I saw they're working on. So that's uh, that it actually probably worked out, coincided well with uh, with launching this website. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, they, I really love. I'm a huge fan of the of the matches too. So I was 
super stoked to have them in. And then we went and see, we went to see them at the the Metro later that night. They were playing the ten year anniversary oh. for the Decomposer record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. And and uh, you had uh, the band Lifted Bells, and I think isn't it Bob Nan- Bob Nana's band from Hey Mercedes? That is Bob's band. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah that Lifted, was another good one. They were one of the earlier sessions too. Like that one, like those first sessions we shot mostly on cell phones. Like we had like six different like cell phones really positioned up as our cameras. Yeah, you can't tell at all, dude. I mean, honestly, the the, the video quality is awesome. Yeah, we we don't use any phones anymore in the shoots, but when we'll put sometimes we we've, we've got a few songs left that we haven't released from some of the early sessions, and the the phones look really good. But we've since added a few more like DSLR cameras and kind of stepped up the video game, but the cell phones did the trick for the early days. And I didn't know that, like, there are some other people doing it. Once we launched our channel, I was kind of looking around that there's another channel that does it really well called Little Little Elephant. They're in uh, Ohio. Ah, that's Ohio, though. Nobody cares about Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) But they've been around, I think, about five years now, and they have, like, much bigger following, but I... Once I started doing this and releasing a few, I, and we've had, they have a band, the guys that do that show have a band called Shitty Neighbors, <laughs> and we had them, we had them come here for a session with us, and I think we're going to go out and do a session on their show too, so that'll be uh-huh, cool. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Um, so, so uh, you you start doing this, and it's kind of cool because when you post a video, you know, you, the response is almost, you know, it's obviously trackable. But it's also kind of instantaneous too, right? You can see the views and all that. So that's kind of uh, it's cool because you're getting a version of songs that you know or maybe you don't know that um, you can't get anywhere else. So I think that that's awesome. Just a great way to get some original content out there, and and uh, you know who doesn't want to see bands you know from the comfort of their phone, you know? So it's really really yeah, cool. it's great. So, and I think a lot of times like this room sounds sounds really good and it's easy to, if the band plays well, like I don't do a whole lot of, I record the audio all multi-track and I mix it as good as I can, but I don't do any of that, like sample replacing the drums or any of that crap. So like, it sounds like the band, but if you're a good sounding band, you're going to sound really good. <clears throat> and a lot of times I'll end up liking like our rock room versions of the song, like better than the, than the record that's so awesome kind of neat and i've had that feedback from a lot of people that watch watch a lot of the videos where like wow this i love their album but like this has way better energy because it's bands that are good live you know when they track in the studio they're not recording all live as a band so you get a, kind of that live feel it's, it's I, mean, I think a lot of times for good live bands it's almost a better way to hear their song than, than their actual record is Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I highly, highly recommend anyone that's listening, and, and I, I'll make sure we share the the link to it too, because it's really, it, I think it's a great idea, and it's really well done. And like I said, it sounds great, and uh, it's live from the dot com, and you know you can just look it up on on YouTube, and and it'll all come up too. But uh, it's very cool and definitely worth a look. Um, and I want to make sure we get these these uh, these plugs out too. Um, we got to make sure we get, uh, you know, facebook.com slash the bigger empty band. Make sure you check that out. Um, and obviously, uh, smokingpopesmusic.com. 
Um, I don't know, uh, Twitter. We got to do Twitters too, right? Uh, tw- Twitter handles at Smoking Popes, uh, at The Bigger Empty, and uh, at um, Mike Fellamley. That's that's an easy yeah. one. Yeah, nothing goofy there. Yeah, um, I kind of suck on Twitter. Like we suck on Twitter. I think. <laughs> you know what? I think it's getting like, kind of you know. Unless the only people that are on there are Donald Trump anymore, so I don't think it's. Yeah. Nobody's on it every day. I think Facebook probably you get more traction from that. Yeah, at least I, maybe it's because like our our crowd is older, but like Facebook has always been the best, um, and then Instagram has actually been pretty good for the popes and, and myself, like I tweet sometimes, but I mostly just like retweet stuff. Right. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not good at Twitter. Some people are really good at it. I'm not good at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a pain in the ass. It's just another thing. Right. But Instagram's cool. Mm-hmm. Cause you can just post some cool pictures of videos and, and you're done. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, uh, so the record release for, um, for the bigger empty, uh, for, for lakes and oceans, volume one, Michigan, uh, it was, just last month, about a month ago, over a township, um, mm-hmm. and from what I understand, this is the first of four EPs coming out this year. Is that true? That's true. That's that's pretty cool. That's uh, I, I I love things like that. It's got kind of a theme to it. So this this EP has uh, five songs, and, and I'm telling you, they're all great. I've been listening to them all week. Uh, my favorite is "By Its Own." That's my favorite. Um, so far but that's <laughs> that's like the first track and uh i just i just love the piano in it too it's just awesome so um cool what, what yeah can, that one's a i think that's the consensus favorite from everybody i've talked to so i guess that's that's the single i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's an awesome one so what can we expect um on the on the eps coming out are, are they all going to have kind of a kind of a, a little bit of the same feel or is each one going to be like vastly different from the previous or we just kind of wait and find out they're all going to be um fairly similar although this first one i think has more of a mix like we kind of range from like kind of you know pop punky down to i don't know what you would call our mellower songs just like soft punk i don't know what you would call it (laughs) but like the next one that's coming up like doesn't have any of the softer songs. I don't think it's more, they're all closer to like the by its own kind of feel like a little bit more upbeat. And then the third one has some stuff that's maybe a little bit darker, a little more weird. And then the fourth one will be pretty similar to the first one again. That's cool. That's, that's awesome. The the artwork is going to be pretty cool where, um, if you put all four of the record covers together from the EPs, they form like one big picture. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah, I noticed. Uh, I was trying to figure out what what the artwork was on this one, so it kind of all ties together with the other three. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's like the wild. front the front covers and the back covers make one big picture each. Oh wow, That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so uh, so, I mean. That's that's a lot to look forward to. Three more EPs this year. Um, is there a, a date set for the next one, or or is it still kind of up in the air? I don't think we have a specific date yet. I'm thinking it'll be um, sometime in June, probably early June. Cool. Our our target is just to do like one per quarter. So June is the last month in the second quarter. So we're 
shooting for that. We still have some recording to do of it. Like we've recorded full versions of these songs before, but we're redoing them all. Right on. Right just, be, just because I don't know. We made the first versions of most of them are like really slick, uh, much more like slick and more produced than this EP that just came out. And I, I didn't like it. Like it, it didn't feel like real enough. So we're kind of re- redoing it. Sure. Making it feel more like it's human beings playing the instruments rather than pro tools. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably uh, it's it's probably easy to kind of lean on pro tools a little bit, but it, you know, I'm sure as as a musician, when you have an ear for that, it it'll drive you nuts if you let it go. Um, so yeah, like I tu- like we would tune my vocal like the first version of this record, like we tuned the vocals, and I got better at singing, and now I don't I don't like them tuned anymore. So it's been nice, like with having Amanda in the band, like her and I play just like acoustic and piano and sing a lot, and that's helped me get a lot better at singing. So I don't need to, I don't need to tune myself anymore, thankfully. That's cool. That's cool. Well, <laughs> so like on on this EP here, so now you have Amanda and and, and she's doing some singing too, and obviously keys. Um, so were these songs that what did they come to you guys quickly, or was this a pretty long process on on this EP? Like a, a song like. <laughs> You know, for instance, we talked about by its own. Uh, is that something mm-hmm. that did? Was that one of those like, hey, we had this in ten minutes, or um, was it more of a process? By its own came together really fast. Like I wrote the song. I always write the the like guitar progression and the melody at the same time. Like I, I won't write the lyrics initially, but I'll have like a vocal melody in the in the just general arrangement of the song and I think that was like a 10 minute song oh wow maybe 20 minutes where I just had all that piece and then I actually had trouble coming up with lyrics for that one so I have a friend who is a writer his name is Brian Brooklyn Um, he wrote 90% of the lyrics to by its own like I just send I'll take the I'll record an acoustic guitar and then I'll play um, an electric guitar that plays like the vocal, what the vocal melody is. Oh, okay. Like over the song, and then I email it to Brian, and then he's really fast. I think I emailed him the song, and he, like two hours later, he wrote back like, "Here's the lyrics." That's awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's good to have a guy like that. That's for sure. Because I, mm-hmm. I would have writer's block for sure. So, so a lot of these songs they come to you maybe with like a riff or some type of progression, and then you just build off of that, huh? Yeah, like I, I pretty much write songs in my head like all day, every day, unless I'm listening to music. But if I'm like sitting at work, like I have, I'll hear a song in my head that's like a complete arrangement. Like with, I'll even hear the recording. Like I'll hear the whole the bass, drums, the guitars, the vocals, like everything, like as a recorded piece of music, like in my head. And then I try to remember that, and I go down later and like sit down and figure it out on the guitar. Wow. So most of the stuff is just like written like while I'm driving. A lot of times it's while I'm driving and I'll just I'll get the whole thing in my head and then I'll hopefully I can get home pretty quickly and try to actually figure it out before I forget it. I've forgotten probably thousands of songs. <laughs> this has gotta be so <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> it's stuck somewhere like shit, I can't record this. <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. Yeah. <laughs> too funny well i see you guys are uh you're slated to perform at uh brower house in lombard on uh june 23rd uh do you guys yeah. have any other gigs coming up besides that or is that is that it for right now no we're playing um 
April 8th in Kankakee. All right. That's at a place called Feed. Okay. And it's super awesome. Like, the concerts are called, they call it the Sound Series, and it's these um, couple, I call them kids because they're in their 20s, <laughs> and I'm 42, so I think I can do that. <laughs> like, a couple of kids just put these shows on, and it's at this, like, kind of collective, like, artist space, and they're awesome. We played there about a year ago, and it was one of my favorite shows. So if anybody's feeling like venturing out from Chicago to that, like, it's a really good time. There's a brewery, like, right next door, there's a, a brewery, and you can, like, buy your drinks and bring them into the show. Oh, that's cool. And it just, I don't know, it gave me a vibe of, like, stuff we used to do back in the in the 90s, where it's just, like, these kids, like, rent a full-on, like, PA system. There's a girl named Kelsey who, like, does the sound. She's really good at it. And it's just, like... A really like just chill, fun show. So I'm excited about that one. That's awesome. And then, uh, where's the best place for people to go to to look for look for dates? So Facebook, Facebook.com/slash The Bigger Empty Band. Yeah, that's a, we're most active on Facebook, and that's always pretty well updated with uh, with all of our shows. We're 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 going to San Diego also on the 15th of April. Oh, no kidding. But, yeah. You guys just played Texas, yeah, too, right? You guys are getting around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's getting, like, tiring and expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's going on in San Diego? It's um, our record label, uh, La Escalera. They, have, they do a fest every year. So this one is La Escalera Fest 6. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so that that should be fun. We, we're um, It's just me and Amanda going out to this one, and we have some local guys that are going to back us up out there cool it's going to be interesting because we're not going to even have a time chance to practice with them we're just going to go there and play the show <laughs> oh geez yeah that'll that'll so, that'll be fine ah, you know they'll be fine they'll be fine as so long as they practice in, that's how we did uh texas we had a few people fill in like me and amanda went down and had had some of my friends fill in and we practiced for like 20 minutes like before the show and they were great so Hopefully California will go the same. Well, if, if worst case scenario, you're in California, right? So you can't really go mm-hmm. go wrong with that. So, well, well, Mike, I don't want to keep you, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, uh, Mike Fellamley, follow him at Mike Fellamley on Twitter, um, but Facebook's the way to go. Um, uh, MikeFellamley.bandcamp.com. That's another good site with a couple tracks on there, and make sure you guys check out. Uh, the new EP, Lakes and Oceans, Volume One. There's also another EP on there. I got them both. I I I like them both, um, but I know the other one's probably a different reincarnation of the band. But both good. Um, anything else that uh, that we can plug for you, Mike? No, I think you did a great job. Thanks for having me. No, thank you, thank you, and uh, we'll definitely keep an eye out and uh, and we'll be in touch, Mike. Thank you very much for coming on. All right, thank you. Have a good night. All right, you too. Bye. Right, bye bye. Well, there you go, Mike Fellamley. You know him from the Smoking Popes, Alkaline Trio. His new band, The Bigger Empty, is making some great music, so make sure you check them out. Uh, Facebook is the way to go. Go see a show. Download the new EP. It's awesome. Uh, I wouldn't steer you wrong. That's it. That's it for us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bill and Dave Show. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Bill and Dave Show. And uh, yeah, if you're listening to us on whatever format, there's usually a rating system. So if you can give us a rating, whatever you feel is appropriate, it would be greatly appreciated and it helps out a lot behind the scenes. 
And I'm going to end it with the song we talked about from The Bigger Empty called By Its Own. It's off the new EP, Lakes and Oceans, Volume 1, Michigan. Get it? Uh, Yeah, this is By Its Own. This is episode 47. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.